Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Let's take a look at John chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12. As you're turning, I want to tell you the first 12 books of the book of John is the book of signs. That's all he did. And in the next couple of weeks, we're wrapping up the first section going into the second section. Now, the unique thing about the book of John is, is that it was, it was, it literally the first 12 uh, chapters in the book of John, the first 12 are the book of signs. And it does all of the explanation for Jesus' ministry. And here's the crazy part. Verse, chapters 13 through 21, you know what it does? It does the last week of his life. Isn't that amazing? Now, what do you think John felt was more important? the last week of his life. And that's what we're going to dig into. It's going to feel weird for some of you guys because some of these messages really should be done on Easter. But the reality is that we're going to do them all this fall. And we're going to go through and look and see exactly what John had to say about the ministry of Christ. I'm really excited. Today marks the beginning of the last week in Jesus's life. And we're going to talk about that. But first, I want to tell you what the main goal of the book was. The main goal of the book is simply this. But these are written. This is John 20, 31. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Believe and have life. And it doesn't mean, and I tell you this every week, it doesn't just mean that you're going to have eternal life. It means he wants you to have eternal life and he wants it to start today. And when you believe in Christ and you put all your hope in following him, that from that moment on, you're a citizen of heaven. And what you're going to do is, is you're going to begin to live your life. And John 10, 10, as we looked at several weeks ago, says you will live it and you will have a life that is abundant said the enemy comes to kill uh, and, and, and destroy, but that, that Christ came to die so that we may have life and have it to the abundant, to the abundant. So here's the recap. I want to tell you what's going on before we read this. Let me give you a little bit of background. Jesus, Jesus has begun making his way to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. He has begun... If you look in John and what we've covered, there have been three different festivals and this would be the last. It would be the Passover celebration. Now, guess where he left from? He left from Jericho. He left from Jericho. And here's a little trivia question. Jesus began going to Bethany from Jericho. Does anyone know who he stayed with the, the night before? Anyone want to guess who he stayed with the night before that he, is le he left from that house and then went to Bethany? Anybody know? He, no. Who, who was it? He stayed in Jericho. I'll give you a hint. He was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. That's who it was. He literally, he literally come from staying from Zacchaeus. He's gone through the town. He's seen Zacchaeus up and he says, tonight I'm staying with you. And they're like, I can't believe this. He goes to his house. The scripture says that salvation came to the house of Zacchaeus. Jesus had, had dinner there, stayed there with him, woke up the next morning and then began to go 
to Bethany. And he went from Jericho to Bethany, which is right outside of Jerusalem. I've told you this before, but here's what we're going to see. We're going to see him stationed in Bethany. He's going to go into the to the city and come back out. He'll go into the city and come back out. He'll go into the city and then come back out. So let's read as he is headed toward Bethany. It says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of who? Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. And a dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said the perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will, not always, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. And then the leading priest decided also to kill Lazarus, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. So we know this. We know that Jesus's, Jesus's ministry began at a wedding feast. This will be the ending of Jesus's ministry that we know of, except for his final thing, which was to save us from our sins, for, for, for him to be killed uh, as an innocent man. It's the beginning of the end of his ministry, and there is a feast going on, but the feast itself has a somber tone. The atmosphere, you guys, in the room was very, very heavy. Now, I want to tell you something. By reading, by reading John, you would, you would think that the feast was held at Lazarus' home. It actually was not held at Lazarus' home. We can look in Mark and Luke and we can find out that guess whose home it was actually held at? I'm glad you asked. Simon the leper. Simon the leper. Or, really, Simon the former leper. The person that Jesus healed of leprosy was the host in the home. It was, so I want you to get this. So here is the backdrop. Jesus is sitting at a table, or reclined at a table. And Lazarus, who was dead in the grave for four days and was raised from the dead, is on one side. And Simon the leper, who had a death illness, leprosy, is on the other. Jesus, with Lazarus, with death he defeated, and sickness with Simon he defeated. He's letting us know 
that there would be an ultimate sacrifice. And I don't want you to miss some things. John is letting us know that there would be a sacrifice that would be made. And the atmosphere is very heavy. And so you don't have to be a detective to figure out there is some symbolism going on here that you can figure out where we can say, oh, that's a clue, that's a clue, that's a clue. And that's what I want to do a little bit today. I want to play a little bit of a detective today for a minute. Let's take a look at the four clues. The four clues. The first clue is this. The secret meeting that we read about in, in John chapter 11, where a death warrant was issued for Christ. There is a secret meeting and they decide what they're going to do with him. Jesus is in Jericho. There's a secret meeting. There's a death warrant issued. People are telling him, don't come. Don't come to Jerusalem. He goes through Jericho. He literally restores the house of Zacchaeus. And then he makes his way up to to Bethany. The people in Bethany would have known what was being said in Jerusalem. They would have gotten word. They really would rather Jesus not be there. But Jesus comes anyway because he has a mission to fulfill. So when he arrives, there is a celebration. The celebration had to do with Lazarus' resurrection from the dead from him literally being raised from the dead by Jesus. There was a celebration in Jesus' honor from all the things he had done because he was surrounded by people who had been impacted by his life. But the atmosphere was somber. The next thing is this. John tells you, in the first six days before the Passover. What was the Passover? The Passover is where there would be a sacrificial lamb that would be brought and it would temporarily take away the sins of the people and cleanse them from the past year. And John is telling us the Passover has arrived. Jesus is being marched in. Jesus is on his way. He's now in Bethany. He is sitting there prepared Clue number two is the, the Passover. The third thing is this. It's Lazarus. Lazarus being there, Lazarus being present, it's a reminder that Jesus has power over death. But that this would be the ultimate sacrifice. And John is giving us clues. But the fourth clue is, in my opinion, the biggest clue. And it is the oil. The oil is a huge Clue. What was oil used for? Oil was used for a couple of different things. The first thing it was used for, if you go back and you think of the scriptures in Samuel, what was oil used for? Oil was used for the anointing of a king. It was used for the anointing of a king. Remember, Remember, they go to Jesse and they ask for his sons and all of his sons come out and they said, nope, 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 nope. And then they said, hey, do you got any more kids? And he said, yeah, uh, I got David, but he's out in the field and he's a little bitty dude. You know, he's a little bit. I don't think that's him. But the scripture says that whenever, whenever they saw David, he anointed David's head with oil. He anointed his head. He anointed him to be the king. But there's another reason for oil. Oil was used also to prepare a body for burial. Oil was used to represent a king, but 
to also prepare a body for burial. What they would do is, is they would wrap spices and oil on the body and prepare it for burial. And so when Mary takes this jar of oil, this jar of perfume and oil, and pours it over his head, she's doing two things. She's anointing him for a greater task, and she's preparing him for the ultimate sacrifice. And John is showing us both of those things. John is saying, this is your king who will make the ultimate sacrifice. So what can we learn about the, the actual scenario that plays out here? I think there's a couple of things we can learn. The first one is this, is that our belief, our belief sometimes results in not so logical actions. Our belief, your and I's belief, sometimes results in not so logical actions. What this is, guys, is this. This is where going to church clashes with fully embracing what God has called us to. It's where you go from just attending a church or saying you're a follower of Jesus to actually doing the things because of the changed heart that you've experienced by allowing Holy Spirit to work in you. It's, it's, it, it's where you go from saying, yes, I've walked down front and I've told a preacher that I accepted Christ in my heart to actually allowing him to be Lord. Are you with me? Your belief, your belief sometimes can result in things that don't look very logical. It's hard to trust Jesus fully sometimes. It is. Here's why. It's hard to hand over your kids to him. It's hard to hand over your job to him. It's hard to hand over your money to him. It's hard to hand over your home to him. Let me tell you what Mary did. This is amazing. Mary took this perfume, this oil. Let me tell you about the oil. The oil was actually from India. All right? Let me just say this. You couldn't go down to the Bethany Super Walmart and grab the oil. All right? That wasn't happening. It was worth a year's wages. A year's wages. Now, in today's money, they estimate that it would be around $20,000. That's what they estimate, about $20,000. So it makes no sense. I want you to hear this. Let me just say this. If I had oil and perfume that was worth twenty grand in my house, if you looked at it wrong, I would knock you in the head and drag you out. All right? I'd say, look. You can touch anything else here. I don't care if you go to the kitchen, whatever. Pet the blind dog, I don't care. Don't touch the oil. All right, don't touch the oil. And she literally did this. She took the oil. And, and by the way, in other, in other, uh, other texts of, of this story, 
we see that what actually occurred, John highlights it a little bit here about on the feet because she took her hair and she rubbed his feet. And we'll talk about that in a second. But what she actually did is she actually poured this over his whole body. We can see in other stories that, that it says she poured it over his head all the way down to his feet. The words used here is literally all over the actual, the actual words used. She took that and poured it all over from his head to his feet. And then not only that, so that's not, a, that's not it. That's a lot. That's a lot. But not only that, she then did something even more incredible. She took her hair, all right, which was, which was a woman's pride. She took her hair, she unwound it, and she literally washed, she wiped his feet with her hair. Now let me just say something to you. As a prolific flip-flop wearer, I can tell you that feet can get kind of dirty sometimes. Multiply that times a thousand, and that's how nasty their feet were back then. We're going to see in a few weeks the washing of feet in the scriptures. We see that. But here's the other thing. Women would never, ever, ever, ever let their hair down in front of others. They wouldn't. They would never, ever, ever let their hair down. So she has done, she not only took this expensive perfume oil, this expensive, and poured it over his head and feet. She went a step further and got low, 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 and took and unbound her hair into the lowest position that she could attain. Mary was literally pouring herself out. She had no more pride. She had nothing else. She had nothing else. And can I tell you something? People that were looking, they would have thought that made no sense. They would have said, why, why is she doing that? She just took that oil. If we were there, we'd probably go, gosh, man, it's, it's kind of cool, but wow, that's a lot. And man, her hair and she was literally pouring herself out. Can I ask you a question? What have you done before because of your belief? What have you done because of your belief that made no logical sense? I had a friend of mine one time. You know what he did? He, he was at church. And he did not have money for rent because he had overspent and he had forgotten to give a tithe. And he wrote a check for the tithe when he had no money in his account. And he literally went up to the financial secretary and he said this. He said, hey, listen, I wrote a check for the tithe. And she was like, oh, well, God bless you. Thank you. He said, no, it gets worse. <laughs> it may bounce. If it does, just call me and I'll try to get the money and bring it up here. She was like, okay, all right. I know it doesn't surprise you that God showed up and provided, does it? It doesn't surprise you. It doesn't surprise you at all. I, I know another person, <coughs> they had an incredible career, a successful career, and they left it all because God wanted them to serve. Isn't that crazy? This past year, and I cannot remember his name, this past year there was a professional football player for the San Francisco 49ers. He was a really good football player. 
and he retired. He retired after six or seven years in the league. And he was going to make millions and millions of dollars. And guess what he retired to do? He retired to go be a pastor. And people were like, what are you doing? You can make all this money. You can do all these things. And he said, I know what my calling is and I'm stepping into it. And no one in the secular world understood that. Can I tell you who does understand that? We understand that. We get that. I've seen people quit jobs. I've seen people move. I've seen people give. I've seen people serve. I've seen people sell things and on and on and on and on. All because their belief led them to that decision. Sometimes our belief results in things that are not so logical. And I guess my question again would be, what's your belief led you to do? The second thing is, and I do not want you to miss this part. This is important to me that you don't miss this part. Not everyone speaks and acts with pure motives. I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that. Now listen, we like to hate on Judas, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, worth, it's worth that. But here's the thing, he was part of the 12. You know, he was part of the church, so to speak. He was part of the ministry. He was part of the ministry. And if I've learned anything in my life, is that a lot of people use God and religion to take advantage of other people. I have. Can I tell you that I know for a fact that there are some people here today coming to this church, only this church, because you've been used by someone who was in the religious thing? Can I tell you that? Can I tell you that you've, you've been used by that because of there's falseness or there's some kind of anything? I know that. I know that you've told me that. You've told me that. Now, Jesus, uh, Judas was the money guy. And he didn't care about the poor. Guess who he cared about? He cared about Judas. I want you to know something, y'all. People will lie to you. People will use you. And people, people will often do what they can to make themselves get ahead. The scripture tells us that anybody who comes before us, we are to test the fruits. Now listen, God has given you people that you can trust. But I want to tell you something. Be aware of those people. Be aware of those people who are always trying to promise great things, yet delivering very little. Be aware of that. Here's a little test I can always give you. If you see someone, especially in the ministry, that's trying to build themselves up instead of building up Jesus, there's an issue. If you see someone in the ministry that's more worried about their brand than about Jesus Christ, there's an issue. My goal is, y'all, honestly, my goal is, is, is and I know... I know that at some point there'll be a time whenever people will come and say nice things about me, hopefully. Probably not the lady from Peachtree City. If she shows up, she's going to tell a story. But, but I know there's going to be people that, that, that will say nice things because I've been in ministry and I've done things for people and stuff. But here's the reality of the, of the truth of the matter. Man, listen, I, I hope you don't see, I, I hope you don't just see real church and I hope you don't just see genuineness and I hope you don't see, can I tell you something, man? I hope all you see is Jesus. That's what I hope. That's what I hope. I do. 
I hope all you see is Jesus. There's people, you guys, there's people, and I've had some in my family, there's, there's, there's people in churches that are constantly looking for that next moment, that next thing, that next God thing, that next moment that they can experience. And so what they do is, unfortunately, is they bounce from church to church to church to church to church. When I had people come and talk to me and say, yeah, hey, why do you like the church? Well, we like it. It's so-and-so, so-and-so. Oh, well, where have you gone before? Listen, man, if they get over a couple, three or four churches in the local area, I'm like, red flag. You know what I mean? I'm like, look, if you, if, if you got ticked off at all those people, wait till you get a load of me. You're really going to get mad. So... Do me a favor, go back and heal yourself with those people. Like, go back and rekindle those, that relationship. You know what I mean? Or at least go back and make it right before you come here. People always look at me weird when I say that, but it's true. People go and they want a feeling. And whenever people are looking for a feeling, whenever people are looking for that, they go and they will go to hear messages that will motivate them in their feelings. But can I tell you something I've always found? And I'm going to sound so religious-y and Baptist-y here. But the Bible is sufficient for me. God is sufficient for me. The scriptures that he's given us is sufficient for me. If I never have another feeling in my life, but I have the word of God right here, and I have Christ who saved me, and I can glean from what, from, from, from what God wants from me right here, it's sufficient. Guys, let me give you an encouragement. Don't go chase every spiritual rabbit hole you see. Don't do that. Don't try to run down every path. Don't, don't do that. Now listen, do I, do I put God in a box? I don't put God in the box. I don't at all. But I've seen so many people who speak with not pure motives that have led people astray. And what it ends up doing is, it ends up hurting the case for Christ. Because that's not who God is. At all. Let me tell you one more thing, and then we'll be dismissed here, you guys. Our surrendered lives should lead others to Jesus. Y'all, there is a verse in John 12 that I absolutely love. It's at the very end. I read it. It's verses 10 and 11. And I love this because here's what it says. I love this. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. Well, that's interesting. They decided to kill Lazarus. Well, why would they decide to kill Lazarus? For it was because of him. It was because of him that many of the people had deserted them. They deserted religion. And they believed in Jesus. Can I tell you what my goal in life is? For someone to say that about me. You know, we need to get rid of that dude. Not only does he nut up on a Saturday and try to yell at some lady in a Jeep, but not only that, but a lot of people, a lot of people have been coming to Christ because of him. A lot of people have. A lot of people have left their old life and come into that because he's preaching Christ. Man, I want that to be 
said of me. And I hope you want it to be said of you as well. When I experience God in real life, and when I experience what God has done for me, I can't help but tell others. And I hope, I hope, that it will lead many to Christ. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for this example of laying their life down that Christ has done. Thank you so much for this example of Mary who took everything, the expensive oil, poured it over your head and feet, and then washed your feet with her hair in a sign of true surrender and total abandonment from any kind of social norm or anything. All she wanted to do was be at the feet of Christ. And God, that's all we want to do today as well. And so God, as you, as, as only you can do, I ask you, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to show up in our lives and for it to be said, man, there's a lot of people that are coming to Christ because of them. Lord, let us pour ourselves out and be filled up with you. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.